us online. Uh, the word this morning is Luke 4, 1 to 13, and it's the temptation of Christ. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Greg. Praise God. God's good, yeah? Interesting times we live in. People are feeling very unsettled and insecure. Um, when people are unsettled, the insecurity comes. We've had COVID-19 now for the next, or for the last three years. We've got Ukraine invasion, we've got the Russian aggression, we've got China, North Korea, climate change, floods, fires, cost of living, interest rates. What next? News of recent days is that in Australia there's unprecedented res resignations by people in regard to their employment. People are unsettled. And uh, this uncertainty produces great insecurity. People are starting to ask questions and searching for answers to significant questions. Three big questions are, who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? Evolution, which is the basis of our state and national education says this, who am I? You're an accident. Why am I here? No reason. And where am I going? Nowhere. That doesn't really produce the right lot of hope, does it? However, the Bible says something very different about our identity, about who we are. Um, the Word of God 
is a book about identity as well as many other things. And um, that's why you find so many genealogies. God's interested in identity. Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, opens with a genealogy. Luke 3, genealogy. Genesis, Exodus, you go through, there's genealogies everywhere. And um, in the reading that was read to us by Greg, and I remember you, Greg, now you were a little boy when we were last in contact. Uh, um, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was challenged on his identity. If you are the Son of God, and Jesus quotes Deuteronomy uh, 8.3, um, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Um, that scripture was Jesus saying, my identity is not revealed by performing for you, Satan, but my identity comes through the word of God. You see, this, this book is a mirror. It's a mirror to who God is and a mirror to who I am. And there's answers to questions that people in society are asking more intently today than ever before because of all the pressures and all the changes that are taken in life. I'm a baby boomer. And um, when you're 20, 13, even in your 40s, you think you're going to live forever. Then you start hitting 50 and then 60, and things start to fall out, and things start to drop and change in your body. You wonder, what, who am I? What, what's the future hold for me? Um, Jesus was saying, my identity is not revealed by performing, but the word of God. See, we know that Jesus came, emptied himself, tells us in Philippians 2, emptied himself of his divine privileges. It's called the kenosis. He emptied himself and he studied the word of God like everybody else. Every Hebrew boy in that time um, would memorize the Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible, memorize. Um, I have trouble with my kids' names, never mind memorize five books of the Bible, but that was part of their education and it was very much based on the word of God. And Jesus returned to Galilee, Nazareth, and quoted Isaiah 61.1. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to set aside a liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is my identity, Jesus was saying. I am Messiah. They were outraged because they said, is this not Joseph's son? 
Jesus was declaring who he was because he discovered who he was through the scripture. And for you and I, we discover who we are through the scripture. Right through Jesus' ministry, he'd talk about identity. In Matthew 16, he said to the disciples, who do men say that I am? And some say, John the Baptist raised from the dead. Some say, one of the prophets, Jeremiah, yeah, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter pipes up and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, because flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven and upon this rock, not the rock of Peter, but the rock of what Peter received, which was revelation of the identity of Jesus Christ. I will build my church. We need to receive revelation as God builds his church. Right at the end of Jesus' ministry, when he, the Last Supper, again, there's a thing about identity happening there. When he took the bread and he broke the bread, he broke it into three pieces, and they still practice that today in the Jewish Passover. And he would have picked up the middle piece because those three pieces represent Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he would have picked up the middle piece and said to those Jewish boys, this is my body, this is who I am, I am the Isaac. You see, if you're familiar with that story of Abraham and Isaac, God had Abraham take Isaac, his only son, his only begotten son, and laid him on the altar and was about to kill him or sacrifice him. And the voice came and said, this is old King James, stay thy hand. But this time, Jesus, the new Isaac, was going to go through with it. God was going to sacrifice him for you and I. So for God, it's incredibly important that firstly, his people get an understanding of their own identity. And uh, there's great teaching in the scriptures about identity. I want to bring up three points because that's what pastors do. We do three. Usually. <laughs> so I want to bring up three points about your identity, my identity. Because you're a church in this region and you're not here just to have church on Sunday. You're here to have influence in your community. Amen? Amen. That's why you're here. Otherwise we might as well all go to heaven. Amen? Amen. So the three things that I want to teach this morning is firstly in my identity is to understand that I belong that's it humanity belongs to God Genesis 1:27. so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them you are loved and belong to God not based on what you feel like but based on what God says. We cannot base our Christianity on what we feel like. Amen? Amen? Because my feelings can go up and down. 
In fact, Carol says that I don't have many feelings, but then that's another story. Um, but based on what God says, I belong to God. In fact, humanity belongs to God. We're created in the image of God. And it's understanding what that means to us in belonging to God. You belong to God even when you're naughty. You are valuable. You are the image of God. And John 4.24 tells us that God is spirit. When Jesus was with the woman at the well, she said, I perceive that you're a prophet. Should we worship God here in Samaria or in Jerusalem? And Jesus said, neither. God is spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You are a spirit, you have a soul and you live in a body. Your spirit is self-giving. Your spirit wants to do the right thing. Your soul is self-expression. Soul and spirit are very close, but they are different. Hebrews 4.12 tells us the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide us under the joints, the marrow, the soul and the spirit. So my spirit, the me, the life force, is self-giving. My soul is self-expression. You're seeing my soul express itself now. And my body is self-serving. My biggest problem is not the devil. He certainly doesn't help, but he's not my biggest problem. My biggest problem is me. And your biggest problem is not me, you. You are here to let the community know that they belong to God. We're not here to judge the community. That's not our job. Jesus is going to come back. When he returns, he's going to bring his kingdom in its fullness because we bring part of the kingdom, but it's only a measure of it. And the kingdom of God is within us. But when Jesus returns and he is coming back, Amen. Amen. He is coming back, and we're all going to get a new hairdo when he comes back. Just go on. He's going to bring the fullness of his kingdom. Um, so until that time, we're not here to judge. Our our message to the world is: you belong to God, and that God loves you. You are valuable. And church should be a place where people can belong. That's our job. And we're to accept people before... Don't expect people to change there and then, or expect them to change and then accept them. Accept them before they change. And then the journey of change takes place. Our message to the world is that they belong. Um, Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men when talking to the disciples. In the world today, people have changed. It's not the 1950s, it's not the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, or even the noughties. We're in 2022 and people have changed. Sin's still the same, but people's worldviews changed. 
and it's changed because the world has changed. The technology is changing. With our mobile phones, we can do things that we never dreamed of back in the 90s and the 70s and the 80s. So what we have to do, I believe, is that as we want to connect with the community, we've got to know what we're fishing for. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. You've got to know what you're fishing for and how to fish. People are wanting to belong. The church is a place where people should feel they can belong. You are here to take that message. So we're here to belong. The second thing I'd like to bring in regard to my identity and your identity and humanity is that we're broken. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Humanity is broken. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to forgive sins. Amen? But not only that, he came to conquer death. Woo! That's good news. 1 Corinthians 15 is one of my favourite chapters because it's all about the resurrection. You're going to get a new body. I'm going to get a new body. Yeah, that's going to be good. You're going to have a full head of hair. Be six foot two, eyes are blue. Coochie, 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 coo. Humanity is broken. God has brought a plan in through Christ to save mankind from death. We have been restored. Um, people say, if God loves humanity so much, why then would he have us separated from him if we die? If we don't um, ask for forgiveness? And now my answer to that is, is that God is a God of justice. My father, who's gone to be with the Lord now, was a magistrate. And if I'd have gone to his court and um, been caught speeding, going 61 in the 60 zone, um, I would have gone into his court, seen him come up on the bench and thought to myself, that's my dad you little ripper. And um, I would have looked at him and he would have looked at me and he could have said, I love you, you're my son, you're good looks, they've come from me. However, justice demands payment and you have broken the law by speeding, that will cost you $542. It's amazing that I know that. Yeah. That's because justice demands payment here on earth. And we know ourselves, when somebody's committed a crime, a murder, a wretched murder of a child or, or an innocent person, what rises up inside of us is justice. We want that person to be caught and to be punished. God is a God of justice and sin demands payment. The Ten Commandments were given to reveal sin. 
Some people say, I live by the Ten Commandments. Well, I wish you well. But the Ten Commandments were and are a mirror to our own brokenness. In fact, I think God could have just done one commandment and said, thou shalt not bear false witness. If you've ever told a lie, lift your hand. If you didn't lift your hand, you're a liar. We're all broken, but we belong to God. In the Old Testament, the blood of animals was there for atonement to cover sin. In the New Testament, remission of sin came, not just to cover sin, but to destroy it. We are declared not guilty. John 8, 36 says, and if the sun sets you free, you truly are free indeed. We are forgiven through what Jesus has done. But our job here on earth is not to just party in that, but to go out into the world and show the love of God to individuals and let them know that they belong, that they are broken. And the last point that I want to make is that we can become. God has equipped us to fulfill the calling in your life. Every one of you here are called to something in God. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, you are called and you are equipped for that calling. Inside you and I, you have the Holy Spirit. You have faith, hope and love inside of you. Every human being's got faith, hope and love. The difference between a believer and somebody who's not believing at this point in time is that you have inside of you the God kind of faith, hope and love. Faith, Romans 12, 3, to every man has been, and woman has been given the measure of faith. The faith that you and I have in us is the God kind of faith. The mustard seed size faith can move mountains. So if you've got a bucket load of faith inside of you, imagine the damage you can do. You have got faith inside of you. You've got hope inside of you. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy, peace, in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got hope inside of us. And we've got love, Romans 5, 5, for the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You and I have got faith, hope and love inside of us. The God kind of faith, hope and love. When I got saved, which is near on 40 years ago now, unbelievable. Time flies when you're having fun. I was an alternative lifestyler. I lived in a tent in Tasmania. I had long flowing hair. Just like to dwell on that for a moment. Yes. And uh, I heard the message of the gospel. And when I heard that, I made a decision and said, I'm going to follow Christ. 
Now, when I said my initial prayer, nothing happened. But about two weeks later, I was in the middle of the paddock. And um, the Spirit of God came upon me and changed my whole worldview. Changed me on the inside. Changed my perception of life. And here I am, some 40 years later, stood in front of you good people, talking about Jesus. That's a miracle. That's the power of the gospel. But you and I are here to become. You are here for a purpose. Bring faith to the faithless. Bring hope to the hopeless and bring love to the lost, the lonely and the poor. And the greatest is love. Our identity is in John 1.12. To all those that received him, he gave them the right to be called the children of God. You are the children of God. You are valuable. You are God's voice on earth. Even in your brokenness, God still uses you and I. How good is that? We are the children of God. We belong to God. We are broken, but we can become all that God intended. I want to encourage you, don't go around in circles like Israel. Israel had the promise of God, the promised land. The power of God, they experienced and saw the power of God as the Red Sea was parted. The presence of God, they continually had the presence, the cloud and the fire. They had the provision of God, manna from heaven. But they went round in circles for 40 years. They had the experiences of all those things, but still went round in circles. Why? Because they never connected to the purpose. The giants frightened them off. There are giants in life, and in the purposes of God, they're giants. Giants come. But we, meet, we if we have the spirit of Caleb and Joshua, that we can take on those giants in God, we don't have to end up going round in circles for 40 years. There are many Christians that are still going round in circles, not sure what God wants them to do. They want the presence, the power, the provision, the promise of God, but still go round in circles. You are here for a purpose. And it's to bring the good news that people belong to God. We are broken, but we can become all that God intended for our lives. Now, I've got a lovely video now to show you of um, a young man called Richmond Wandera. And he was sponsored by a 15-year-old girl in Adelaide. She got a job babysitting and then she got another job at McDonald's and she sponsored Richmond for some 15 years or more 
Um, on your, um, I think you've got this sent to you, and this will be on your Facebook, would it be, or that you can do the QR code. Our QR code's wonderful, never knew about them 18 months ago, but now everybody's got QR codes. Uh, you can um, sponsor a child that way. I want to encourage you. Um, your identity, you are so valuable. And you're never too old or never too young for God to use. We see, we see that right through the scriptures of God using young boys to old men and women. You have a purpose in God. Please watch with interest this um, lovely video story of a young man called Richmond Wondera. And again, thank you so much for allowing me to come. God bless. Nothing was the same for me. My mother had no job. My father was the only breadwinner. We moved from where we stayed to a place called Naguru Kaseng, which is one of Uganda's largest slums. And then I was introduced to our new home, which was a 12 by 12 room. I looked up in the room, it was a tin roof that had holes in it. That was the night that we would stay standing. Get little buckets placed just where the holes in the roof are and wait until morning. A reality hit me that day. This is life. Poverty began to speak to me as a child. I thought I was nothing. I didn't matter. Nobody cared to know my name. I think the best way I could describe who I was and what I thought is the word hopeless. My mother, in tears, uh, approached one of her friends just to share with her friend. Her friend shared with her about compassion. Compassion staff members immediately came to our home. Uh, I remember them coming with uh, just our files to, to, to get details of who we were, what our story was. I got the news that a young lady, Heather, she was 15 years old, a teenager. She had decided to sponsor I cannot find the words to describe the joy that filled our home when we got the news. Which means we got a sponsor, which means we can now go back to school. That ushered in me an opportunity to rekindle this hope that was taken. Heather began to write to me. To hear words like, Richmond, I love you. Richmond, I'm praying for you. They began to bring healing into places that were destroyed by voices and poverty and myself image. I credit a lot of how I feel now about myself to those letters that I received from myself. June the 3rd, 1996, I walked forward to accept the Lord Jesus in my heart. I began to feel, wow, I have been released from poverty. I have been released. God began to continue to grow the leadership of and then I felt fully called to pursue pastoral ministry. I began the Pastors Discipleship Network, a ministry that exists to train and equip pastors. And I spent a lot of my life training and equipping pastors in the Word of God. Looking back, 
and through my life and thinking where I am right now and what I'm doing, I don't think any of this would have been possible without compassion. Compassion works. Everything that was placed within the program has helped build me who I am right now. Poverty is not just a lack of money, a lack of material, food, water. Poverty is in the feet. My name is Richmond Wonder, and I was released from poverty in Jesus' name.